Well, welcome to those in the room, those of you uh, listening on our podcast. Uh, we are starting a new series today um, called Awake, and if you've been around, you know that this is every fall we do an all-church campaign. Uh, so each of the messages at our campus, here at the East Campus and at, at our West Campus, um, are all centered around the, the, the theme called Awake, and that's over the next six weeks, but the the special sauce of this series, if you will, isn't this time necessarily. It's the time that you spend outside of here taking the themes uh, from each week and discussing them with other people. It's called growth groups. And we have uh, a lot of people that have signed up. I think it's almost 75 or 80 people of, of our church that are in growth groups currently going to be walking through this study. Uh, mine starts tonight, which I'm really excited for. Uh, and uh, it's weird for a pastor to be in a Bible study because do I like say stuff or do I, what do I, you know, it's one of those things I, I'm going to kind of hide in the corner. So, um, but uh, it, it's really exciting. If you haven't signed up for a growth group, you still can. If you're interested in a growth group, talk to myself or somebody at the welcome desk and uh, they can get you uh, to Scooter White, who is organizing our growth group opportunities. Um, and one of the reasons this, this series I think is so important is um, as you go through the series, and actually even what you hear on a Sunday morning, there isn't like this, the, the cloud, I, I don't think that the clouds are just going to part and your life is going to just be completely changed, which is not, it's like, oh, why am I here then, right? Um, but I think that this series is even more important because it reawakens in us the importance of some of these things that God wants to have for us as we walk with him consistently. It, it'll, it reawakens just very simple concepts that maybe you learned a long time ago and you just have forgotten. Because you know how our spiritual walk goes. This is how it has gone with me, and I'm sure for most of us in the room or listening on the, on the podcast, is, you know, you, you get, especially here, you, you get kindergarten and, and third grade, and you get your first Bible, you know, that extreme kids Bible, and, and it has beautiful pictures and the stories of, of what God does and, and the stories of the Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did the Bible distribution here, um, the, the kids are just like hanging on to their Bibles. You know, it's God's word. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's not just a book. It's alive and active. And they were so excited walking, watching the kids. There was one kid sitting like right in the middle. I don't know if you saw this and I don't know whose kid it was. Uh, but right, like, as you walked out, they were just plopped down right in the middle, flipping through their Bible. And people were kind of going, you know, like, having to do this kind of thing around them. But it was just like the picture of how we all should be. Um, you get that first Bible, go through extreme kids or Sunday school into uh, youth ministry, and you're learning new things as you're growing. Your spiritual walk is growing, and you're learning, learning new things about God, and you're having these aha moments in your life that this, you know, I never knew that. I woke up to this. The Holy Spirit had me wake up to this this morning. Um, when I was in, in Houston, I was teaching at a Christian school, and I was teaching eighth, eighth grade faith formation, and uh, we were talking about the Passover. So basically the Lord's Supper, but we were doing Old Testament, the Passover, and what happened when the, the God told the Israelite people to take blood from a lamb, put it over their doorposts, put it over their door frames. So that when the angel of death came in, they would, the angel of death would see the blood of the lamb and pass over that house. That's where we kind of get that word Passover from. 
Uh, it's actually Pesach, which is talking about the blood itself. And there's this kid in the class, John Cottingham, and, he, and I, I kind of explained it quickly, and I was moving on, and he goes, wait, 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 wait. He goes, you mean the blood of the lamb covered God's people so that they were delivered from death. And I'm like, and? He stopped, and then the lights just go on. Jesus is the lamb under whose blood we are covered. And I'm like, yes, finally. If you're a teacher, you know this. You like just want to drop on the floor and cry and roll around. And it just, oh, it was great. But those aha moments, I want all of us to have aha moments like that or reawaken those, those things about our spiritual walk and our relationship. Um, but you know how, how it happens even farther on after middle school, high school, college, you know, and, and life happens, life situations happen, and then we get into adulthood, and you're, you, you walk, your walk with Jesus begins to change a bit as more and more responsibilities are piled on to your life, right? More responsibilities and the excitement and the newness of your spiritual walk and, and the things of God start to get a little tarnished. And you almost kind of feel like you're asleep. On a scale of 1 to 10 right now, just in your mind, rate your excitement about your walk with Jesus. And on it, just be honest with yourself. You, nobody else is going to know that. You know, 10 being, oh my goodness, every day I wake up and I just sense this Holy Spirit leading me to just preach the gospel. And, you know, woo! Or one just being like, meh. You know, just in your mind, where are you at as we start this series? I hope that the Holy Spirit takes it at least a couple of notches up as we talk through some of the things. Um, one of the stories, actually the first story that we're going to be talking about uh, today in our series, uh, and the, the title of this series, or this week, is called Returning to God. And there's so many instances in the Bible of people who have run away from God. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're here, but spiritually or whatever it is, you just feel like you are running away from God, because he's asking you or he's leading you to do some things that just aren't great um, for, your, it, for your benefit, for his, but you're just like, boy, I just, I want to do that. So one of those stories um, is in Jonah, and if you have your Bible, time's going nuts. I'm going to take, give me a mic. I'm gonna And no buzzing. Nice. Okay. So one of the stories uh, is uh, Jonah in the Old Testament. And again, if you have your Bibles, he has his own book, uh, his own story in the Bible. And you can turn to that. And we're actually going to talk through the whole story of Jonah. You're gonna re- we're going to go through a whole book of the Bible in one sitting. It's only four chapters. Uh, and we're not going to read through it all. But I just want to, uh, this gets us into this idea of returning to God. So here's how the story goes. Um, the, the first verse says this, the, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, some son of Amittai, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So can you imagine kind of eating dinner and then all of a sudden this message comes, I'm supposed to go to New York City and walk the streets of New York City. I'm just, I don't know if that's Nineveh or not, but and walk the streets of New York City. Maybe I should just say Green Bay. No. 
New York City, and I'm supposed to preach against against the city, stand up and say, you guys are wicked, you return to God or else, you know, turn or burn, the kind of thing. God is coming with his anger and his vengeance. So jo- uh, Jonah got up and went to Nineveh. No, you know the story. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many of you have ever gotten up and went the opposite, did the opposite thing, ran the opposite way to get away from the Lord? Oftentimes in our life, we have that, that time. Maybe it was college, and you're like, I, I grew up as a Christian, but boy, there's a lot of fun stuff that I'm experiencing now in college, and I'm, I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm going away from the Lord. This is physically what Jonah did, actually, because here's a map of where all this kind of happened. Uh, Jonah was down at, at Joppa, down here by Jerusalem, Lebanon uh, area, right here on the boat. He jumps in a boat, and instead of going to Nineveh, he goes to a city called Tarshish, which we think is at the bottom part of Spain. So he is basically going completely o- opposite of the city, of the place that God told him to go. So he was on this ship, and God caused this massive storm to, to come up. Just one of those storms, and it, you know, it's on the Mediterranean Sea, somewhere in the middle there. One of those storms that you see on like Deadliest Catch where the, the waves are like 40 feet high. I mean, it was just massive. And there was fear of shipwrecking and fear of death at that point. Uh, so they cried out, all, everybody on the ship, they cried out to each of their gods. There were multiple you know, belief systems on, on that ship. They were crying out. And Jonah even says, hey, I bet it's me. You know, I'm running from God, so he's probably punishing me. Throw me overboard, he says, because then you guys will be safe. So they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, and this is the men on the ship, the other men. He said, oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. Nice. Don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then Jonah knew what was going to happen. Jonah, it, the, the, the sailors picked Jonah up. They threw him into the raging sea, and the storm, the storm just stopped. Just stopped. Dead quiet on the sea. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So even in Jonah's misery and scaredness and, and the horrible things, you know, that, that, that the, the storm that God brought on him, even through that, God worked through that so that other people can know him better. Isn't that interesting how God works in our lives the same way? Sometimes things are happening in our life. It feels like a storm and, and we feel like we're, we're, we're drowning in whatever it is. But yet God still uses all of those circumstances for his glory and for his purpose and for for the furthering of his gospel message. So they offered him a sacrifice to serve him. And verse 17 of chapter two or chapter one says, now the Lord and this is interesting. The Lord had arranged for a great fish. We don't know if it's a fish or a whale. The, The text isn't clear. Had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. When I was growing up, we had flannel graphs. Anybody remember flannel graphs? So flannel graphs, for those of you who have just not been privileged enough to see them, um, are these big cardboard things covered in this flannel, and then there's these old cut-out uh, pictures of the characters. And in, in Sunday school, 
the teachers would use that as then Jonah went here and, and they would move it around. And if you were lucky, you could put one up on the flannel. I, my, one of my earliest memories of, of Sunday school was being able to put up the whale, the Jonah whale. And that was like the prized, coveted thing. Every year when we talked about Jonah, because it was the same thing every Sunday, every year uh, in Sunday school, we would, I got to do that one time, and I just put it up there, and I went back, and the class was kind of chuckling. I'd put it on upside down. I'm like, oh, man, that's horrible. But anyway, the, the, the teacher at the time um, talked about how horrible a thing it was that Jonah got swallowed by a whale and how what a horrible thing that on the outside it seemed that the whale, the great fish, this thing that happened to Jonah was just this, this, this complete, oh, my goodness, he's getting eaten by a whale. But the text says that God's provision and saving and protection for Jonah was the whale. So here's the connection for you and me. That thing that you feel is swallowing, swallowing you up might be the very thing that God is using to save you in another aspect of your life. That very thing that you think is, and we talked about this a couple of, of weeks ago, where we, our problem is time. We're stuck in right now. The bad thing that's happening to us right now, we don't see how God is using it or will use it in our future. But maybe right now you're in that season where you are sinking and sinking fast. It could be your finances. It could be a health situation. It could be relation. It could be emotional where you just, you know, it's raining again. Win winter's coming and you suffer from the, uh, the, uh, the um, sad seasonal affect disorder uh, as they characterize it. And you need more vitamin D, you know, that kind of thing. And you feel like you feel depressed and down. And you're wondering, God, when is this going to lift? Well, you don't know what God is doing in that situation for you emotionally. Maybe he's creating more strength for you as you move forward. Maybe there's someone he is going to bring into your circle who is struggling with the same thing. In Corinthians, it says, then this is the reason we suffer. This is the purpose for your pain, whenever it is. Corinthians, uh, Paul says, hey, the reason you're suffering is first to give glory to God, but also so that you can help others who are suffering too. I don't know if you knew that. But the reason you lost your loved one, the re or one of the reasons you lost your loved one or you're going through a health thing or whatever it is, is that maybe God is having you help somebody else in the same or similar situation. Uh, yesterday here at uh, East Campus, we had our men's uh, annual men's breakfast. We had 55 guys show up, um, mostly from our church, but also from Woodbury Lutheran across the river in the great state of Minnesota. They came over. And, uh, and, and we had just a wonderful breakfast. It was great. And we had a, l a longtime friend of mine, Kirk Ingram, come and speak. His situation was he, in August 1st, 2014, 15, thank you, 2015, um, he was, uh, he had just married, just had a new baby girl, uh, nine weeks old, and woke up and was holding her and, uh, so that her, his wife could sleep. Uh, a bunch of guys had come over because they were going to spend the day on the on Min Lake Minnetonka. Um, put put uh, his daughter Alexa gave her to uh, to Melissa, the wife, and they'd go out on the boat and they just had a wonderful day. He said it was just an awesome day. 
And at the very last, before they came in, they went into a little cove. And it, Kirk, basic, he didn't share this yesterday, but basically he said, you know, I'm just going to, let's just, let's just dive in one last time before we kind of pack up and get in. He dove into not the deep end of the cove, but the shallow end, hit his head on the bottom, and um, for all accounts, died on the bottom of Lake Minnetonka. Uh, they, ob obviously his friends jumped in and grabbed him, um, revived him, got him to the hospital, and long story short, he's a quadriplegic from that dive. And his biggest hope is to be able to hold his daughter. He has no movement. He has a little, he has shoulder movement in, in his hands, but he can't hold his daughter. And it was a powerful, for those of you who were there, it was a powerful, powerful testimony of, oh my goodness, how do you thrive in a situation like that? When all of a sudden, two seconds before, you were fully functioning physically, two seconds later, you're quadriplegic. What do you do with that? He now has started, or actually is the chairman of the board of a foundation called GUSU, Get Up, Stand Up. And he is now, um, in his work, helping others who have had spinal cord injury um, get the research and get the help. So God is using him. Now he's wanting to do more speaking. So it's taken time. But even in that horrible, tragic, life-changing event, God is using, um, he's using uh, that situation for the betterment of others. God provided, had arranged for a fish to swallow Jonah. At this point, Jonah had hit what's called rock bottom. Um, and those counselors who work in the clutches of addiction often say that a person has to hit rock bottom before that change. That phrase actually comes from mining. Uh, and so as when miners would hit bedrock, they knew that their quest for gold or other materials, they had hit rock bottom and something had to change. That's where that phrase comes from. And so when you hit rock bottom, where do you go? What do you do? Oftentimes our sin brings us to rock bottom. Adrian Rogers said this, sin will take you farther than you wanted to go keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. And Jonah hit rock bottom. So in the fish then, this is chapter 2, an amazing, amazing prayer that Jonah does. He comes to God. He's like, God, oh, my goodness, I, you know, what have I done, basically? But then he said this. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and God answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. He's in, you know, the depths of this fish, and the Lord heard me. He acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges he ran away from God. He asks for God's help. And the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> Yo! You know, right onto the beach. That would have been awesome. Uh, then the Lord said to Jonah, uh, came to Jonah and said to Jonah a second time, we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of second chances, of third chances, of a gazillion chances. That's what grace is. He says to Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. So God let Jonah go kind of off his way, but he just went right back. Jonah, this is the message. This is your mission for you right now to go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh at that time was about 120,000 people, so it wasn't just a little village. 
It was a massive town, and we actually have, it's an, you can actually go there. Nineveh is still uh, there. It's actually right outside of Mosul uh, in Iraq, just north of Baghdad. Uh, two years ago, ISIS went in there and started blowing up the buildings. We lost, not a, uh, we lost a significant amount of Nineveh's history, of the history of Nineveh. But you can see the Great Gate. You can see some of the things. That, that's all still there. So this is the city that Jonah actually went to. Um, and Jonah obeys. He preaches against the evil. And the whole city kind of went, I didn't know we were sinners. Oh, my goodness, you are right, Jonah. The whole city, from the king all the way down to the, the servants, repented, put on sackcloth and ashes. That's kind of the symbol of repentance back then. And they all repented. And you'd think Jonah would be happy. Jonah was angry that the city, that, that the city repented. He, wanted, he had so much hate in his heart for these people because they were wicked. He wanted God to go and just snuff them out. I think that that's where we are as a, as a country. We have such hatred for different groups of people, people that don't, don't believe this, the same things we do, people who don't know God. You know, sometimes we hate them because they don't know God. We, or, or political, the, the opposing parties. Why are they acting? This is so dumb. And don't they see the light? And what about history? And they, you know, we go through these things. And it's a, it's a hatred that we see. And it's easily spread on social media and all the other venues and, and, and all that kind of thing. But this change of plans, as Jonah, as it says, the change of plans that God decided not to snuff him out greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? Can you imagine this? Talking to God that way. That is why I ran away to Tarshish. Jonah didn't run from God because what God asked him to do was difficult. Jonah ran away from God because God, he knew that God was going to save this people that he absolutely hated. That's the reason he didn't want to be the messenger. Because he knew God was going to save these people out of the kindness of his heart. In fact, he says, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd be, rather be dead than alive if uh, what I predicted what would happen. And so ultimately, the prophet Jonah learned, learned a hard lesson. You, you can't run away from God. You and me, we, we, we can't run away from God. In fact, um, a couple of life lessons before we close. Um, first one is this. Our rebellion, your rebellion is foolish. If you know who God is, if you understand God's saving grace, and you rebel against him, you're a fool. You're foolish. The prophet, uh, for the prophet, the words, no, Lord, should, shouldn't even been in his vocabulary. Jonah becomes reluct this reluctant prophet. And we see that scene. Finally, Jonah goes to Nineveh. God saves the people of Nineveh, Nineveh through his message. And Jonah just wants to curl up and die because of God's grace. We can't, you can't, I can't be away from his presence. Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, 
you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest seas, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So rebellion is foolish. The second one is this. Rebellion is costly. Rebelling against God, turning away from God, and just ignoring him or checking him off the list on Sunday morning and just, okay, yeah, the rest of my week, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm going to get refueled when I come back to, to church. But it's very costly to live that way. Some of the consequences from that are prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Many times when we run, we live our life without being in prayer. Loneliness happens. A sense of angst, a sense of lack of peace happens. And ultimately, I think for believers, especially who are running from God, there's a sense of guilt. I know I've had that. I've had that those times where I've, you know, I'm, I'm in the word and I just use it as a textbook to prepare a sermon, but my personal walk with God is so lame and, and far away on my side of the equation. And I just, I'm just burdened and heavy, and I just feel guilty. Those are some of the consequences. But the third thing we can learn is this, and this is the grace part. This is the good part, is our rebellion is covered. Jonah's fully consumed by the whale of God's grace. In the belly of the whale, Jonah, Jonah finally responds in repentance, and he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah's prayer from the belly of the whale is just this great model of prayer because it recognizes God's greatness and our lack of worthiness. Now close with this. The fish, this is actually from the study. If you're doing the study, you'll read this part. But it says this, the fish vomits a restored Jonah onto dry land. Jonah will now be obedient. God meets Jonah with grace, and he's able to do this because of Jesus. Je Jonah is Jesus' opposite. Jesus is Jonah's opposite. Whereas Jonah was def a defiant prophet, Jesus was never defiant. He perfectly obeyed the Father, even to death on a cross. His obedience paid for our defiance. Truly, Jonah was correct when he said, salvation belongs to the Lord. And in fact, even Jesus says, um, talks to the Pharisees and says, I am the sign of Jonah. Whereas Jonah was in the whale of the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, Jesus says, I will be in um, the son of man, must suffer many things and be in the belly of death for three days and three nights, but then rise again. So even as we see this story of Jonah, we can say that's a picture of what Jesus did only way, way better because of grace. And for you and me, no matter what our rock bottom looks like, this study today maybe is a time to wake up to the truth that Jesus went further into the depths than you and I will ever or could ever go. And he did that because he loves you. So as we enter into this first week of our study, those of you who are involved in growth groups, I just pray that God opens up new relationships as you may be gathering around with new people, um, but also great conversations about returning to God uh, and acknowledging him in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray.
Lord, thank you for this uh, time that is a start of something new, uh, this Awake series that we're going to do. And as I said, those, those who are going to be meeting in groups throughout the week, uh, Father, I just pray that, that you would, there's a reason, God, I know that you have brought the people that you did uh, to the groups, allow them to really dive in deeper, share personal experiences, and ultimately just give glory to you. For all of us, God, um, as we think about times in our life that we have run away from you, or maybe we're running in certain areas right now, help us to do the hard thing and to return to you and simply surrender to you, Father. Thank you for being a, a, a heavenly Father that doesn't run away from us, but you enter into a relationship with us. You bring us into a relationship with you through Jesus, your son. We thank you and praise you for him. Father, we just lift this up to you and know that you will work through it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.